Hello, and welcome to episode 79 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Have you had the privilege and pleasure of working for a Rockstar Manager? Maybe it's your current boss, or maybe it was your first boss or someone you worked with years ago, but this person invested in you or gave you opportunities or pushed you to be your best self. If there is someone who role modeled what great management actually looks like, I would really like to hear about it. I'm collecting stories of managerial greatness, and I would love to include yours. Go to managerialgreatness.com and fill out a two-minute survey and tell me about this manager and what made them so great. That website is managerialgreatness.com, and of course, that link will be in the show notes. Now, a quick warm welcome to Mary J. and Annie G. to the Modern Manager community. For everyone else, I hope you'll consider joining, so stay tuned at the end to learn more about benefits and how to join. All right, today's guest is John Murphy. John is the author of 10 Key Traits of Top Business Leaders and creator of the first 100 Days Plan course for new managers. He is an internationally successful coach, author, and speaker. He began his corporate career as a salesman and progressed to being CEO of Pan European Group. 15 years ago, he set up John Murphy International to help business owners, senior executives, and management teams deliver what they are capable of. John has worked with global companies like Pfizer, Airbus, Johnson & Johnson, and Vodafone. As you'll hear, John and I start our conversation talking about the mindset of a successful manager and servant leadership. And then we hit a twist and we transition to the topic of critical things to do as a new manager and to set yourself and your team up for success. I wasn't expecting to go there, but the topic is so important that I just went with it. And I think you will appreciate what John has to say. Now, here is our conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer Stewart. John, thank you so much for joining me today. I have to start by saying that in our little warm-up chat, we were talking about that you are sitting in the south of France, which just sounds so much more lovely than my rainy day here in Brooklyn. Well, thank you. I mean, it's a great pleasure to be here. And I can certainly say that as I sit here in the south of France, and obviously by my accent and surname, I'm not from here, but I'm looking out and I can actually see the Pyrenees from where I'm sitting right now. So it's pretty idyllic, I can tell you. I'd Highly recommend it. Well, I will just imagine that as I'm listening to your voice. (laughs) All right. So let's jump in. You wrote a book called 10 Key Traits of Top Business Leaders. And I want to jump into a couple of the different topics that you brought up that are really interesting to me. But first, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to these different 10 traits? Well, they really came about through the work I was doing with clients. And just a quick bit of background is that I would have been in the corporate life. So I did the, you know, kind of traditional move from being a salesman, sales manager, sales director, and marketing director, general manager, and ended up as a CEO of a pan-European insurance company. And I enjoyed being a CEO. But what I really discovered that I was passionate about was hiring, coaching, and developing people and getting teams to work effectively together. So 15 years ago, I decided to leave corporate life and set up my own business doing that. And so I've always been fascinated about leadership, you know, what leaders do, the things they do that actually make an impact on them, the things that they should focus in on. And through the course of my work, where 
you know, interviewing, you know, loads of different CEOs of large organizations, small organizations, owner-owned businesses, corporates, all types in different countries and different markets. I kind of saw that there were really some common traits that leaders needed to really focus in on in order to be highly effective as a leader and as a manager. But obviously, you know, as leaders and managers, your, your challenge is to build high-performing teams. And I really saw that these traits, you know, were pretty fundamental to it. And, you know, I wrote the book, and I, I'm not trying to pretend that there are only 10 key traits, but certainly these are the ones that seem to come up time and time again, which is why I wrote about them. So I want to start with number two, because a lot of the traits that you talked about, and if you want a copy, I should say this to the listeners, if you want a copy of this, you can get it when you join the Modern Manager community. So you should do that. But one of them, number two, is service. And I want to talk about this one for a bit because it's something that I get asked about a lot. Like, what does it mean to do servant leadership? And what does it mean for leaders to really support their team members? So can you talk a little bit about this topic number two of service? Yeah, I always think that, you know, when we look at the way we draw organizational structures, that we draw it the wrong way around, because we tend to have it in that kind of triangular way, where the, you know, the, the most senior person is at the top of the triangle, and everything comes down from there. And I think it actually should be inverted and should be the other way around. Because one of the things that you learn, and I mean, and we, you know, we've all transitioned from being individual contributors to being a manager. And it's not the easiest transition, as we all know. But one of the things that we learn is that as an individual contributor, irrespective of what part of the organization you're in, you pretty much decide, within constraints, obviously, but you pretty much decide kind of what you do when you do it, and you get rewarded for what you do yourself. But when you become a manager, now it's actually achieving results through other people. So what is success looks like is determined by the success of the people that are in your team and that you're managing. So really, the, the mentality that you need to have is that you're there to serve those people. You're there to actually help them find and grow and develop and become the best versions of themselves that they can be, to also become very effective, to be also to become really efficient at what they do. So you're there really as a support and a servant to them, to help them to become really as effective as they can be. And I think that really, when we think about it, it's you know, we do lose sight of that because, you know, when you actually look at managers and if you actually do turn the other way around and sometimes, you know, managers would, you know, when I talk to them would say, oh, you know, I really want you to come in and work with me to change how the team is working. And I would all say, well, you know, the team is kind of a reflection of you. So if the team is not working effectively, that's got more to do with you likely than the team. So we really need to make sure that we're looking at in the ways that as a manager and as a leader, you're there to, to serve and support other people and not to have it look in the old kind of hierarchical of command and control. And I, I came across a question. I, I'd love to have been the, the writer of the question, but I'm not. But I think it's a super question is that if you as a leader, you ask yourself the question, is it what is it about me that makes me worth following? And I think that's just a great question because it puts the onus back on me as to what I'm going to be as a manager and what am I providing. So I think that if you don't have the attitude of being a servant to your team, I think that you're going to be much more fall into the category of command and control. And let's be honest about it, maybe, you know, 
command and control has gone on with the arc. So nobody is going to respond to that. So I think that it really is, if you're looking at it with the eye of how can I grow, develop, and really make a difference to the people on my team, then you're much more likely to adopt that attitude of service. So I completely agree with you. And I find, at least with many of my clients, that it's both the mind shift that has to happen and also figuring out what that means in reality. So what do I have to do differently if I'm not going to be command and control? And how do I do accountability if I'm not a taskmaster? So do you have some examples or stories of what those kind of shifts look like in action? Yeah, well, I think you're absolutely right in terms of the mindset. And I think that when you look at individuals, I was working with somebody there quite recently and I was brought in to work with their team. And the manager that they had was a very hierarchical structure, very much kind of, I will tell you what to do. And so then they got into the role because that person moved on and retired and they got into the role. And so the only real recent experience they had of a manager was of that sort of hierarchical command and control type. And of course, now he's actually managing people who, you know, are younger, are joining the organization, don't have kind of, I'm joining the organization for life. And the gap between that individual and the team just starts to widen and widen and widen. And of course, what tends to happen when that occurs is that the manager almost kind of overemphasizes, and his attitude was, why won't they do what I tell them to do? And it took a really long time for him to realize that isn't going to work, right? That simply isn't going to work. The people that you have and that you're managing want to feel engaged and want to feel that they're part of building something. And if you're dealing with them on a command and control basis, they're just going to be completely disengaged and disconnected from what you're doing. So we really had to get him to shift his way of thinking across to the one, oh, that's not going to happen. I really got to work with them to kind of build a vision for the team, to build a mission for the team, to build kind of what are the core values? What do we stand for? How do we behave? How do we operate? Which was very alien to what he'd been accustomed to and what he'd been doing himself now when he'd been appointed as a manager. But the, you know, when he actually made that shift, of course, people responded because he suddenly was there as kind of engaging them, involving them, making them feel part of something. They're looking to see what he could do to help them. So it was a complete shift. But the initial thing, going back to what you said, Mamie, was that we, he had to actually make the shift in his head first and then followed through in terms of actions. But, you know, it's a big, big shift. And I think that organizations are not particularly good, by and large, at helping people transition from being individual contributor to being a manager. Yeah, you can say that like a thousand more times. That's <laughs> one of the other questions I often get is, how do I want to transition? Like, what does it mean for me? And how do I figure out what I'm supposed to do as a manager when I've had no training in this area and my company's not really investing in me. And my experience is basically how I've been managed, as you mentioned with this other gentleman too, right? Like you take on many times the characteristics of the managers that you've had or sometimes do the opposite when you realize how terrible it felt to be managed that way. But we don't invest in good management training very often. And it's interesting you should say that because I really had seen this in the work that I do with clients, that there's a huge gap that's in so many cases, people are kind of thrown in to sink or swim, as kind of most of us have been, you know, that we've gone through the corporate world. But that doesn't make it a good way of doing it. 
And in fact, I only very recently launched a new online program for the first 100 days for new managers, which is precisely in that space to really give them the tools to make that transition from being the individual contributor to being a successful manager, because the failure rate is terribly high. You know, 60% of first-time managers don't celebrate their second anniversary. So, you know, the, the attrition rate is terribly high. And it isn't rocket science, but it is not, you know, intuitive. You don't just assume it because you've got a title that you know how to do it. There are clear steps that, that you've got to take. So I think it's a huge area. And if companies are really only looked at the cost of not doing it, they would simply jump at having a really solid process to integrate people into those roles. All right. Well, now I want to talk about this because the the topics in the books are really interesting, but I'm I'm much more interested in some of these moments of transition around management because one, it's not something I've ever talked about on the show before. So this is this is great. But two, you actually have a course on this, which means that people who are listening who want to know more have a really great place to go to to learn more. So can you tell us about just pick any one of the things in your course that is kind of a fundamental learning experience or or thing that new managers really struggle with and, and how to overcome that? We've touched on a bit of it already, is that on the the very first, we do, it's, we do it over six modules, but the very first module is actually about mindset. It's very much around, you know, you've got to get your head right and you've got to get your mindset right and you've got to get your thinking right in terms of really owning the role and understanding the role. And, you know, with the best will in the world, organizations don't really help individuals to transition from that and help them to understand it. And I mean, and I, I, I can always remember when I first became a manager, you know, a long time ago now, but I mean, my first kind of elation at being, you know, being made a manager from going from salesman to sales manager, I thought I was kind of, you know, master of the universe. And, uh, you know, I suddenly arrive in, I'm now a sales manager. I have my own office. I've got a boardroom table all the trimmings that go with it. And my manager that had appointed me came in and, you know, to welcome me to the team and all that. And as he was going out the door, he said over his shoulder, you know, if you need any help, just shout. And that was about it. And after he closed the door, I can remember clearly sitting there thinking, wow, this is fantastic, but followed very, very rapidly by, oh, dear God, now what, do I, what am I meant to do? And I really had no idea what, what I was meant to do. And that's a horrible feeling. What the impact of that was that for, you know, Four, five, six months, I failed miserably. And I, it was as much by luck as anything else. But I think it's actually getting the mindset right and understanding the tools, but also, you know, really for, to get people to understand the organization, particularly when they're new to an organization, go in, dive into it, get all the data. Don't just rely on what people tell you. Look at strategic plans, look at operational plans, look at business plans. You know, go to your friend Google and find out other information about the organization really have a good feel to it. But then we actually get into some of the real nitty gritty stuff, like who are your stakeholders in the organization? Who are the people that you need to manage the relationship with them in order to succeed? And it's not just your manager or your manager's manager. There are other people around the organization. And I see that stakeholder management being missed time and time again. Because if you manage those stakeholders well, they become brilliant allies and supporters of you to be successful. But if you ignore them, and very often you just ignore them unwittingly, you alienate them and you're just a pain in the neck who comes along looking for, you know, making demands. You want this change in IT or customer service or whatever it might be or marketing. 
And it really is that stakeholder management is a crucial part of it. But the other thing that we talk about is that, you know, just because you're made a manager doesn't mean that you know how to manage meetings, how you manage one-to-one meetings, how you manage team meetings. So we're really kind of giving people the tools and the templates to actually say, this is how you do it. This is how you set it up. This is the things to watch for in a meeting that you do well. These are the things to avoid in, in a meeting. This is how you start. This is how you finish. This is how you review. So it's really kind of giving very much kind of the step by step. And, you know, it, all the stuff that, that, that I talk about when I'm coaching people and, I, and also based on my own experience, but it really is to give people the tools that they can make that transition because it is not rocket science, but that doesn't make it obvious. You know, you've got to give people a path to work on. You've got to get a people a path to, to operate on. And then you've got to be very clear about expectations. And we spend quite a bit of time being really clear about expectations between what does your manager expect of you? What does the team expect of you? Being really clear about that, because very often I have conversation. I had a conversation recently with somebody and they were saying that, you know, they found that they joined the organization and eight months into it, they felt that their, their relationship between them and their manager who had appointed them had become a little bit strained. And I had asked at the very beginning or started to work with them, you know, have you actually agreed what are the deliverables in the short term? You know, the kind of the first three months, the first six months, the first nine months. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I've done that. But then when I went back and said, have you really? Let, let's talk about this again, because I feel there's a gap. And then it was, well, they actually hadn't, right? So that the manager's expectation, uh, and I blame the manager as well now as well for not making this clear, but the manager's expectation and the individual's expectation of what success looks like in those early periods were actually quite different, which was the cause of the, the gap between the two and a bit of a rift between the two. So we really had to kind of come back and recalibrate and manage that relationship, say, hang on a second, this is our expectation, this is our understanding of the expectations, but that doesn't, say, it doesn't seem to be yours. Now let's actually get aligned on that. And once we did that, then they move forward. But you, know, you don't instinctively know all these things, maybe. You, you've got to actually have step-by-step, and that's why we created the program to really give that step-by-step and help people create their own plan, help people roll out their plan, help people to kind of focus in on the first 90 days of operating and also to actually get into that cycle of working in 90-day chunks. So there's a lot of really kind of fundamental stuff that we put in there. I know that it would have been a great help to me if I'd had it when I started out as a manager because there were not the things that I anyone showed me how to do. So sorry, that was a long-winded answer to your question. That's okay. You hit on so many important parts for new managers. And I do want to circle back to one of them because it's not something that I had even thought about before, which was stakeholder management. I mean, I think a lot about meetings because that's a big part of of my world is effective meeting management. And, you know, I think a lot about teaming and, and what is your team need and how do you align your team. But I had not really thought so much about what it means to understand who your stakeholders are and how to kind of start to build good relationships with them. So can you say a little bit more about what that looks like? Yeah, I, mean, I think this is actually a really crucial piece. I mean, take, for example, let's take a, a kind of a fairly straightforward example. You're appointed a sales manager, right? So obviously, you know, you're reporting to a sales director who's likely reporting to CEO. And, you know, you know, they're fairly obvious stakeholders because that's who you're reporting to and to the CEO, it's important. But, you know, other stakeholders in that relationship, for example, you will need in order for sales to be effective, you will need to 
have very good relationship with marketing. So your marketing manager or director is, is a stakeholder because that relationship needs to be very much aligned. You will also need to have a, a relationship likely with customer service because customer service impacts upon customers, obviously. And if you're in the sales business and something impacts upon customers, well, then that has an impact on sales. So you need to have clear, solid relationship and an understanding of what is the expectation that the customer services manager has of you and what's your expectation of the customer services manager. In the same way you go through all of that, I mean, IT, you probably will need some kind of technology input. So again, it's actually getting that. So if you don't manage those relationships, you're just going to be the person coming along at some stage and saying, hey, Mr. Customer or Mrs. Customer Service Manager, you know, I need this, this and this. And then you're just a pain in the neck because you're coming with demands and requisitions and looking for support and resources and all of that sort of stuff. Whereas if you sit down at the very beginning and saying, listen, how can we actually make this work well for both of us? What do you need from me in my division? How can we best work together? Now you've got allies. And now when you're going looking for support from your customer services or IT or whatever it might be, then you've actually got a relationship. And at the end of the day, business is about relationships. And, and I see it so often in organizations, you know, wh when somebody becomes a point as a manager, I would always say to them, who are your stakeholders? And very often I kind of go, well, my manager. I say, okay, beyond your manager. Well, my manager's manager. Well, okay, beyond that. And then you start to plot it out. And once you actually do that, and I do that visually, and in the program, we actually give a template for that. So you're going to say, well, okay, if I look at each one of those stakeholders, what is their expectation of me? And what's my expectation of them? And what's kind of the agreement we have of how we're going to work together? Because it's got to be so much, you know, interdependency is huge within organizations. Finance depends on sales. Sales depends on IT, on customer service. You know, marketing depends on sales. It's all interdependent. So you've actually got to proactively manage those relationships. And that actually makes the job an awful lot easier rather than having a very silo mentality, which you have in many organizations, whereas, you know, we stick to our own areas and we don't build relationships with other parts of the organization. And there, that's where the walls get built up. And then when you actually need support from each other, it just gets much more difficult to do. Well, and I would imagine that even then looking internally, if you understand what expectations are of you to other stakeholders or from other stakeholders, kind of what you really need from them, then you can actually go back into number two. You can serve your team better because you then have information that can help them do their jobs better. And when they run into a problem, you know who the right person to go to is, or you've already established some relationship outside to facilitate whatever needs to happen so that your team can keep doing its great work. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's interesting, a client I was working with recently, we were, we were doing this exercise, and she started going around and having conversations. And one of the questions that she was asking the stakeholders is that, you know, for them to articulate what they believed success would look like for her, right? Which is a really interesting question. And she said she found it such an enriching experience that you go and have the conversation because everybody had a slightly different view of what success would look like for her in her role. And that helped her frame how she was going to work with these people going forward. You know, it's, it's a slightly different way than most often happens. It's a different way of working. But in that way, you are building relationships with everybody and the organization just becomes much more open. And when I work with teams, 
the teams that have the greatest challenge in terms of changing are teams that actually operate in silos and where they're deeply ingrained. And in some organizations, they are very deeply ingrained. And that's just not looking outside of your own territory. But the teams that have a much more open attitude and kind of look across the organization and see it, you know, not just about my territory, but it's also, you know, that it, it is the entire organization, then I think it is hugely important. I also think as a manager, okay, you're managing your own team, but you're also going to be part of a management team that's going to be as likely to be a cross-functional management team. And in that situation, you've got to remember that in that environment, you're wearing two hats. You're wearing the hat of the functional role that you have and that you're responsible for and the team that you're responsible for. But you also wear the hat of being a member of the team that's driving the business. And it's important that you're not just there always just representing your own function. You're there as a member of the team. And that takes a little bit of shifting of mindset. And I think it's an important shift to make. Well, it feels like we could keep going and and dig into so many more things, but we're going to run out of time. So I have to bring us to a close. So can you tell us about one of the amazing managers that you had the privilege of working with and for and what made this person so amazing? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you think back on managers that you've had, and I had many managers down through the years, but if I had to pick one that kind of really stood out, and I often think back and say, you know, was the person the most technically brilliant manager? And, And probably the answer is no. But what made this person such a good manager was that he really was committed to developing every member of the team. It was so important to him that the team worked together well and that the individuals were growing and developing within the team. And as a consequence of that, because we all felt kind of so engaged with him and so much part of it, that we really wanted to make sure that we were working not only for our own future, but we were working for the future of the team. And he really was able to get that across. And I think that, you know, if I look back at him, he really had the attitude that you know, the team is greater than the sum of the individual parts, because really what he did was that he ensured that we all worked together very effectively. And as such, we kind of brought the best out on each other. So I would pick him as being a manager that really, really kind of brought us all on. And he would, you know, to this day, I'm going back a long time when when he was my manager, but I'd still be in touch with that person today. Wow, it sounds like he was very impactful and really, you know, lived some of the principles that you talk about in your book, too. Absolutely. And, you know, he was not the perfect manager because there's no such thing, because there's no such thing as the perfect person. But in terms of actually really leading and and developing people, he, he was really, really good at it. Amazing. All right. And where can people keep up with you, learn more about your course and everything else that you're doing right now? Well, if they're interested in finding out about the course, they can go to the website as first hundred days dot com. They can go and they can find it there. If anybody wants to get in touch with me, my own website is www.johnmurphyinternational.com and they can email me at john at johnmurphyinternational.com. Fantastic. Those links and anything else that you want will be in the show notes for everyone to access. Thank you so much, John, for sharing your wisdom with us today. This was, and for me, you know, I, I love when I get to learn something. I say this often when I talk with guests, but I learned something today. So thank you so much. Maybe it's a real pleasure and thank you very much indeed for the invitation. John has offered a digital copy of his book, 10 Key Traits of Top Business Leaders to members of the Modern Manager community. To get this book and dozens of other member benefits like episode guides and discounts on products and services, 
go to mamieks.com slash join. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash join. If you work for a nonprofit or government agency, email me for 20% off of any membership level. And lastly, don't forget that I need your help. Please go to managerialgreatness.com and tell me about a great manager that you worked for. You can also share this website with your friends and colleagues so they can share their experiences too. All the links are in the show notes and they can be in your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. And you can do that at mamieks.com slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.